0: We are in a series that we are calling Coping with Coronavirus. Coping with Coronavirus, and we're all just doing our best to cope with everything that is going on in our world, in our country, in our own personal and family situations. To be very honest with you, this still seems a little surreal to me. In fact, uh, we got news yesterday that probably today our area here where we live, uh, DLF Phase 2, is probably going to become a containment zone because a security guard in our neighborhood apparently uh, was uh, tested positive for coronavirus. So we'll see what new changes that brings for us and our neighborhood here. It's hard to imagine for me that just literally seven weeks ago uh, I was swimming with my kids at a hotel in Jim Corbett Park and splashing in the pool and that just seems like uh, a world away. It seems unthinkable now and it, it literally is a world away because the world has changed so much and the, uh, the world is, is, is a different place now and we're all being confronted with new challenges, uh, even new challenges every day, new challenges in our own experience of everything that we're going through, and we're so thankful to have uh, the Bible, which has solutions, which has answers for every struggle that we might be facing, and that is what we're looking at, to God's Word, to see what it has to say about the issues, struggles, and challenges that we're facing um, during this time, during lockdown, during coronavirus. In the last couple of weeks, we've talked about anxiety. Yeah, next week, in fact, we're going to be talking about fear. And uh, we're going to be talking in the coming weeks about handling obstacles and challenges in our lives. And this morning, I want to talk about another challenge and another struggle that's very real for us, And for all of us, especially during this time, and that is the challenge of loneliness. Loneliness. And as I have thought about loneliness again, I am absolutely sure that every single one of us, regardless of our situations, are facing some degree of loneliness in our lives uh, during this time. And of course, some of us are literally alone. You are separated from your friends and your loved ones, family members, you're, you're isolated, you're um, dying to, desperate to get out and to be able to meet people. You know, but even if that is not your situation, I, I still think, you know, even if you are surrounded by family members. And even if you're perhaps surrounded by roommates, even if you're very introverted and you don't mind being kind of at home or even uh, alone, I'm still convinced uh, that all of us are affected to some degree or another by loneliness, especially during this time. And let me just share why I am saying that. You know, all of us need lots of different kinds of relationships, not just family members, not just roommates. We also need other friends. We also need colleagues, <laughs> believe it or not, to, to work with as difficult as they might be sometimes. We need uh, a faith community. We need neighbors. We need even acquaintances. We need extended family members, right? This is, uh, the, we, we were created for a whole world of relationships that we are cut off from right now during this time. And of course, we have fantastic technology and we're appreciative uh, for our technology. But at the same time, we are very, very aware that WhatsApp and phone and Facebook and Zoom can never replace face-to-face physical presence of other people and communication with other people. I'm sure You've been uh, seeing and reading uh, about Zoom fatigue, and maybe you've been experiencing that, uh, like I have. You know, this is this is just the way it is. We were created to be in relationship with lots of different kinds of people, and not just um, through a screen, but physically and communicating face-to-face. And, you know, some people, some pastors that I, uh, I'm connected with, or even articles that I've been reading, church leaders and so on, they're... They've been saying that they're worried that once this all ends, uh, is the church ever going to be the church again? Are people even going to want to come to church and gather together, especially after all the comfort and the convenience that we've uh, enjoyed in a way through uh, Zoom and YouTube and online services and everything else? But you know, honestly, that's not something that I, I feel very concerned about uh, because. From my experience and the people that I've talked to, if anything, it seems like this whole kind of social experiment that we've been sort of involved in through lockdown has only given us more eagerness. And it's just proven even more uh, practically to ourselves how much we need to meet physically and how uh, much we want to do that, how much we need that. And so again, we're all uh, affected by this, and, and honestly, I mean, even apart from lockdown, I, th- I think we all experience a degree of loneliness in our lives. Let me just give you uh, a few examples. Uh, many of you are in positions of leadership of different kinds and different capacities in your, in your work, and so on. And you know, many people have, have pointed out that, uh, that and you might have experienced this also loneliness uh, sorry, leadership is lonely right it 's it's, it's actually lonely to be a, a leader there 's not uh, anybody and everybody that can understand what you 're going through as a leader in fact, this is one of the biggest challenges uh, of being a leader, and, and that is the the loneliness that you experience as a leader. Another example, suffering, going through hardships is a lonely experience isn 't it we 've all experienced that um, even if you're surrounded by family members, friends who love you, who are supportive of you, or trying to help you, you know there's so many things that you can't share. You know, there's so many things that you can't even express. It's a lonely experience, almost by default, to go through suffering, pain, and hardship in our lives. Some of you are new uh, in Gurgaon or wherever you're living, some of you are are not married. You wish you were married. You're, you're, you're going through um, loneliness in that way. You know, uh, Mother's Day is a happy day for many, many moms, but it's for many other moms or w- want-to-be moms. It's a very lonely day. Many moms have their children estranged from them. Many moms are not able to conceive or many, many... People would love to be moms, but they're, they're not, a, for whatever reason, they're not married yet. It's, a, it's actually a lonely day for them. And by the way, let me just mention one other thing uh, for now. And that is that uh, there's a difference between being physically alone and feeling lonely. I hope you know what I mean. There's a huge difference Right, Just because you're physically alone doesn't mean that you feel lonely. On the other hand, you can be surrounded by people and feel desperately lonely. In fact, that is sometimes the most painful experience of, of loneliness when you're in a crowd and there's people everywhere and they're all around you. And, and it suddenly hits you that I, I just don't feel connected with these people. I don't feel like these people understand me. I, don't, I can't relate to these people. Or if you're in a marriage and living with your, your spouse and maybe even with your family, and yet you feel lonely, that's sometimes the most painful experience of loneliness. And, and all of us experience loneliness in some way or another. And again, we're so thankful that God's word uh, speaks to us. In our loneliness, and especially during this particular time, uh, an experience of loneliness that that we're all going through to one degree or another. So let's see this morning what God's Word has to say about our loneliness. And for this, we need to begin all the way back at the beginning, when God first creates uh, the the world. And He creates uh, the first human being named Adam. And this is what we see, it's going to be here on the screen, right in the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, it says, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And this is really quite a a remarkable verse. Because this is, if you just think about it, this is in perfect paradise. This is in the Garden of Eden. Adam is perfect. Sin has not entered the world. And the Bible before this has said the the creation is good. It's good. It's good. It's very good. And then suddenly, here in Genesis chapter 2, God himself says in paradise, in perfect creation, something is not good. And what is it that is not good? It is not good for the man to be alone. And so this is the the first thing that I want to point out that the Bible talks about in regards to loneliness, and that is simply that loneliness is real. Loneliness is real. This is uh, a, a real experience that we go through, and this is something that that we feel. this is not something made up. this is not something to be downplayed by our ourselves or other people uh, who may try to downplay this when we share it with them. Loneliness is painful. Loneliness is an occasion to, um, to grieve. It's something to cry out to, to God for. Right? Loneliness is real. Even Adam, the perfect man in a perfect world with a perfect relationship with God. And this is not just Adam complaining that he feels lonely. This is God who sees Adam and sees in his condition And who says it is not good for the man, for Adam, to be alone. We were created, we have been created to be in community, to be in relationship with other people. And this is why loneliness is one of the most crushing feelings that we can experience in life. And and I'm sure that all of us can relate to that to some degree or another. In fact, I was just reading uh, some recent medical studies that were uh, put out. And let me just read this for you. This, This doctor or researcher said that social isolation is on par with high blood pressure, obesity, inactivity, and smoking as a risk factor for illness and early death. Did you get that? Social isolation, loneliness is on par with high blood pressure, obesity, smoking, as risk factors for um, illness, even possibly early death. That's what uh, studies and that's what research shows. This is serious. This is real. Okay? Loneliness is real. And so if you feel lonely this morning, it's not a... uh, It's not... Uh, an unusual feeling. You're not strange. You're not uh, alone, even in your loneliness. So that's the first thing that I think God's Word tells us uh, about loneliness. Second thing I want to share with you from God's Word uh, about loneliness, and that is that we must not give in to the lies of loneliness. Loneliness is real. However, Often, accompanied with loneliness, come, I think, straight from the devil himself, a lot of lies. Lies that the devil himself pours into our hearts that often, unfortunately, go along with the feelings of loneliness. And these these lies are often debilitating. Loneliness is real. And as we're going to see in a moment, there's things that we can do to move forward, even despite our loneliness and steps that we can take. But it's the lies. It's the lies that go along with loneliness that often make it so difficult to, to move forward. And so what are these lies that often accompany a loneliness and that are so debilitating? Well, let me just share uh, a few of these for, uh, with us this morning the lies of loneliness lie number one I am alone lie number one I am alone lie number two no one understands me second lie that the devil feeds us no one Understands me. Lie number three. No one loves me. Lie number four. No one likes me. And I made a distinction between this one and the previous one. Because in in my experience, talking to people who are, are lonely, even when people do reach out to them, Oftentimes, people who are are lonely just feel like, oh, the pastor is calling me uh, because that's his job or because I'm a charity case and people are just feeling pity for me. They don't actually like me. Just another lie. Lie number five, I'm too blank for anyone to be friends with me. And you can fill in that blank with uh, any number of things that the devil might be telling you. The devil might be saying that I'm too boring for anyone to be friends with me. I'm too poor for anyone to be friends with me. I'm too fat or I'm too ugly or I'm too weird or I'm too messed up or I'm too different. For anyone to be friends with me, I'm too uneducated. For anyone to be friends with me, I'm too uncool. For anyone to be friends with me or any number of things that you might put in that blank to convince you that this is just the way it is and nobody wants to be friends with me. And finally, one more, line number six. If you get close to people, then they will only end up hurting you. And of course, this usually comes from past experiences that we've had in life where we have gotten close to people. Maybe we've shared with them. Maybe we've um, given our hearts to them in some way or another. And that's only been used against us. It's only resulted in pain and hurt. And everything we've, we've given and done has just been trampled on. We say, never again. It's just not worth it. I'm not going to put myself in that position again. This is all you get when you get close to people. They end up hurting you. And so all these different kinds of of lies, I think they're straight from the pit of hell. They come from the devil. Again, let me say it, loneliness is real. But loneliness... We can, we can take steps for, we can do something about it. The lies, the lies are the things that, that cripple us, that debilitate us and that are so difficult to deal with. And, you know, I am very, very confident to call each one of those things lies. And you might say here, sitting in your room or wherever you are right now, Pastor Arvind, you know, you don't even know me. You don't know my background you don't know my situation you might never have even met me before how can you say that these are lies because they don't seem to me to be like lies at least one or two or maybe all of those seem real to me they think they there are things that I've experienced and I'm even currently experiencing. how can you say so confidently that these are lies And let me tell you why I'm saying so confidently that these are are nothing but lies. And that's the third point that, that God's Word tells us about loneliness, and that is that Jesus is the ultimate friend. The main reason that I am saying so confidently that these are nothing but lies, that these are nothing but myths from the devil all of those ones that I shared with you just now is because Jesus is real. Jesus is there. Jesus is the ultimate friend. Jesus is not just an imaginary pie-in-the-sky figment of our imagination to make us feel better. Jesus is alive. Jesus is true. And Jesus truly is the our best friend our ultimate friend and let me just share with you um how it is that jesus just the fact that jesus is there and who jesus is destroys all of these lies that that i mentioned let me just share some some scripture passage passages with you very very quickly number line number one i am alone well what does the Bible tell us, Hebrews 13, verse 5, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Jesus says, Matthew 28, 20, surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. You are not alone, Jesus says. I am with you. Lie number two, no one understands me. What does the Bible say? Psalm 139, verses 1-4 to You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. Someone does understand you. In fact, they understand you better than you understand your own very self another verse on this hebrews four fifteen. we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are yet he did not sin talking about jesus as our great high priest Right? The one who stands before God on our behalf, he can empathize with our weaknesses because he's been through everything that that we also go through. Jesus understands you. Lie number three: no one loves me. Romans 8, 38, and 39, just one of the many, many verses that I could have shared. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not even my own sin, not even my own weaknesses, nothing. The devil or angels or anything else in all creation can separate me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Someone does love you. And not only does someone love you, but they also like you. Zephaniah 3:17, "The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves, he will take great delight in you in his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing." What a beautiful verse. Right? One to take to heart. God, our God, the Lord Jesus Christ, takes great delight in you. He rejoices over you with singing. He doesn't just love you in some vague, you know, God-like kind of way. He actually likes you. He likes how you are. The Bible says he, He created you. He knit you together in your mother's womb. He likes your personality. He likes your shape. He likes who you are. He actually doesn't just love you. He actually likes you. Lie number five, I'm too uncool or too weird or too different for anyone to be friends with me. It's a lie. Jesus says, John 15, verse 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Friends. For everything that I've learned from my Father, I've made known to you. Jesus says to his disciples and he says to us, I, I don't call you servants anymore. I'm relating to you and I'm treating you like a friend. I'm calling you my friend. I'm friends with you. And just before that, Jesus had said, John fifteen thirteen, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends Jesus says that he is our friend lie number six if you get too close to people they will only end up hurting you that might be true for, for some people in this world but it's not true for the Lord Jesus Christ a couple verses on this Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and 29 come to me all you who are weary and burdened I will give you rest Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus says, I have not come to hurt you. I've not come to burden you. I've come to give you rest. You get close to me, you'll find rest for your souls, because I'm gentle, I'm humble in heart. And, and Jesus also says in John chapter 10, Verse 10, I've come that they might have life and have it to the full. Jesus has come so that we might have life abundantly, life to the full. And so I took a little bit of time to go into all those Bible verses because uh, we need to take this to heart. You are not alone. Someone does understand you, someone does love you someone does want to be friends with you and that's the greatest person of all the Lord Jesus Christ and yet you know it's amazing just going back to that last lie that if you get close to people they'll only end up hurting you you know that's not true For the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's very interesting. If you just think about it for a moment. When Jesus came close to us. He didn't hurt us. But just think about this. I want everybody to catch this now. Jesus never hurt us. But we hurt him. That's what happened. When Jesus came down to for us. When he got close to us. He didn't hurt us. We ended up hurting him. Look at these verses. Matthew 26, verse 31. Then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Jesus says, This very night, all of you are going to be scattered. You're all going to abandon me. You're all going to desert me. And this begins to happen even a few minutes later. The Bible says, right after that, he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. And then Jesus returns a few minutes later to his disciples, and he found them sleeping couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? Jesus is, this is the night before his death, he's overwhelmed with sorrow, even to the point of death, Jesus is about to die. The night before his crucifixion, simply from sorrow and trouble that's in his heart, he takes a few friends to go along with him to pray. And what do they do? They're sleeping. And Jesus comes back and says, couldn't you keep watch with me? I thought you were my friends. And again, a few minutes later, Jesus' prediction comes true as the soldiers and the leaders of that society come to arrest Jesus Matthew 26:56 it says then all the disciples deserted him and fled They deserted him and fled And so Jesus was abandoned Jesus felt lonely and Jesus was left and not just left alone but left To die on a cruel cross by himself. And of course, and please hear this the disciples represent all of us, they represent the whole world. When Jesus needed us most, he was abandoned by us, he was deserted by us, he was left alone. And lonely by us. And ultimately, he went to a cross by himself. And why did he do this? Well, let me tell you. He did this so that we would never have to be lonely again. Why was Jesus... Deserted and abandoned, why was he left alone and lonely and hung on a cross by himself to die? He did it for us so that we would never have to be lonely again. He did it out of love for us to pay the penalty for our sin. The thing that separates us from God, Jesus took that punishment, that judgment on himself so that we could be assured that whatever happens, whoever we are, whatever our situation in life might be, no matter how bad things get and no matter how bad we get, we can have that assurance that God loves us and that Jesus is with us, that he'll never leave us or forsake us and that he'll be with us to the end of the age, that he understands us and that he'll always love us. And that he'll always like us. And that he'll always want to be friends with us. And that he'll never hurt us, but he'll always work, always, everything, somehow, for our good. And so, again, dear friends, I hope, whatever your situation might be this morning, that you know Jesus as your friend your best friend, that you've experienced his love, that you're feeling it right now. And, you know, if when, when you experience that love, that kind of friendship that no one on this earth can give to us, it, it changes everything. It really does. And let me just quickly mention um, two ways that this changes us. First of all, it means that we, we have a friend. Right? You are not alone. You are not alone. There is someone who understands you. Right? I hope you've, again, experienced that, that friendship of the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope that you're growing in that friendship with the Lord Jesus Christ, that it's that it's satisfying you in in a very deep and profound way, that it's giving you some kind of a rock, some kind of a base and foundation in your life. Right? That's the the first thing that knowing Jesus as our friend does for us. But there's there's one other thing I want to share with you, and that's the 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 fourth point here, and that is. That through Jesus, we get the confidence to connect with others. Through Jesus, we get the confidence, not only that he is our friend and will be with us forever, but we also get the confidence to connect with other people. It's great to have Jesus as our friend, but as we've talked about already, God says it's, it's not good for us to be alone alone. We need other people. We need other human friends. And the beautiful thing is that through Jesus, we get that strength. We get that confidence. We get that um, that inner power to actually go out there and to to be friends with with others. It it, it really comes through Jesus. And, And let me just be very, very... Frank with you uh, at this point. You know, Jesus, what he does in a very, very deep way is that he takes care of our deepest relational and emotional needs. It's, It's not enough, but in a very, very profound way, Jesus fulfills our deepest relational and emotional needs. And now, as we go out into the world, we're not so relationally and emotionally needy. Because the, the, the truth is, you know, you kind of get to know someone, you're kind of growing in your friendship with someone, and then you realize, oh, I just can't keep up with this person. They're so dependent on me, constantly for affirmation, for immediate responses to every message that they, that they uh, send me and every need that they might have, and and it's so much pressure. And no friend can can handle that pressure. They're never meant to. And what I would say is, let Jesus take that pressure. Jesus can handle that pressure. And that gives us confidence. That gives us the strength to go out and let our friends just be friends. And Jesus is the one who Satisfies our deepest needs, and now with Jesus with us, we have that confidence. We have that strength um, to go out and to to really be good friends, and not to to go out and you know to use people, to use our friends for our own selves, for our own fulfillment, to get things out of them, but actually to serve them, to encourage them, right? And actually to be a good friend. And so, very quickly, as we close this morning, finally. What should I do now? Just a, a few quick thoughts as we close. Some few A few practical hints. Uh, if you're feeling lonely during this time or even this morning as you're sitting there in your home, what are some practical things that you can do? Just some thoughts from, from my side. Number one, take the initiative to reach out. You take the initiative. Don't be deceived by this impression that Everybody seems to have that that I'm the only lonely one, that everyone else seems to be so happy and everyone else seems to have so many friends. I'm the odd one. I'm the oddball. I'm the one who's kind of always left out. You know, Krisa and I, uh, Krisa is my wife and I, we talk to a lot of people. We probably talk to people kind of in a deeper way uh, because of the work that we do than uh, normally people um, get to talk to Others and over years now, we have seen again and again and again, it's amazing how lonely people are. In fact, a few days ago, Chris and I were talking about this again, and she made kind of this conclusion that everyone in Gurgaon is lonely. She just said it that way, and obviously, that's a generalization. But when you just keep meeting people again and again and again and again, you say, Who is not lonely? Right? So don't ever feel like you are the only one, right? that you're alone in your loneliness, and everyone is, is waiting for others to take the initiative. You take the initiative and do it again and again and again uh, if you have to. Okay, So that's the first thing. Take the initiative to reach out. Second thing, to remember that friendship takes time. Friendship doesn't happen overnight. It's going to take time. Friendship takes time. Third thing, use your time to grow and to serve. If you've got time now, use it not just to watch TV or to be on Netflix or to be on social media or to eat. (laughs) Use it to, to grow. Use it to serve others in whatever capacity that you can. You know, C.S. Lewis, famous author, he said that friendship is always based on a common interest, some common ground that you have with somebody else. And for a few hundred people watching and listening to this right now, that common ground that, that we have is the Lord Jesus Christ, Right? And if you're sincere in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're growing in your relationship with Him, if you're, if you're serving Jesus in whatever capacity that you have, you have so much in common um, with at least people who are here, who are in our church, who are watching this right now. Great foundation for, for friendship. So use this time to grow and to serve. Next thing, very quickly don't look for perfect friends. There are no perfect friends. Some people struggle to make friends because their friends are constantly disappointing them. Their, their friends are, are never able to kind of match up to their expectations, right? But again, nobody is perfect. Even if there was a perfect friends, friend, I doubt that they would want to be friends with me, right? Part of being a good friend is accepting people as they are. So don't expect perfection. Don't look for perfect friends, Rather, focus on being a good friend yourself. You know, Carissa, again, my wife, she is a part of uh, some, some of these women's groups on Facebook, uh, women who are here uh, in Gurgaon. And, and an interesting post that recently uh, she was telling me about was somebody posted on this Facebook group that during coronavirus, we will find out and we are finding out who our real friends are. And this person went on to say, apparently, that if somebody hasn't contacted you during coronavirus, if they're not regularly checking in with you or checking up on you then, you, then you know that they're not a good friend. And I said, that's ridiculous. And who would want to be friends with that person? And who wants to be friends with people who think like that? Right? The question that we should be asking, not who's been checking up on us and kind of going through our friend list and asking that question, but a better question is to ask, is, have I been reaching out to others? Have I been checking up on them? Right? Rather than looking for perfect friends and seeing what your friends are doing for you, focus on being a good friend yourself. Next thing, allow yourself to be vulnerable. You know, we always think that everybody else is perfect and i'm trying so hard to be perfect and pro- project this perfect image but again a huge part of of being a friend is just to be open to be real to be honest to be vulnerable to put yourself out there allow yourself to be vulnerable and finally last thing befriend those who are lonely if god has blessed you you don't have that feeling of loneliness right now then I would encourage you to to reach out to others who might be lonely. And this is ultimately what the church is all about. Not just hanging out with our own friends again and again and again, but reaching out to those in our midst who are lonely. And let me close with one last verse. Psalm 168, verse 6. It says, God sets the lonely in families, what a beautiful verse! And this could be the the theme f- verse for our church. Even God sets the lonely in families, and I, I pray that our church uh, would be uh, a church like that, and all of us would do our part. Even as we know the Lord Jesus Christ, as He is our best friend, as He satisfies us, and we have this amazing community of of friends. Uh, around us, that we would be uh, a community and a people, a family that surrounds the lonely and gives them a family. And so why don't we bow our heads and close our eyes. Let's just take a moment. Whether we realize it or not, every one of us are experiencing some degree of loneliness in our lives, especially during... This time, what are those lies that the devil has been feeding you, even during this time? How does Jesus befriend you? Do we even really know Jesus? Have you experienced His his love for you? Has that love satisfied and fulfilled you in in a very deep place in your heart? Is it giving you confidence day by day to go on? Is it giving you the strength and the courage to, to reach out to others? Let's just take a moment in the quietness of our own hearts as we think about these things for our own lives. Father God, we praise you, we thank you, we glorify you. Lord, you are real, that you're alive, you're with us. You'll never leave us or forsake us. You're with us wherever we are. Even right now, at this very moment, you are with us. Thank you, Lord, that you're strengthening us. Thank you that you take delight in us, that you rejoice over us with singing. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you call us your friend. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you gave your life for us. And greater love has no person than this. I pray, Lord, that every one of us would would know that love deep down in our hearts, that it would give us strength. It would give us courage, that it would give us confidence, especially during this time, especially as we struggle with, with feelings and thoughts of loneliness. Lord, help us, help us, help us. Thank you, Lord, again, that you're with us, even to the end, whatever happens. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.